All right, welcome in, everybody. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. It's always overdue uh, for a show since I haven't done one. I guess it's like three weeks or something, but life comes at you fast, as they say. You know, you have promotions and you have kids and you have activities and all kinds of things to do. So we're trying to deliver to you, the fan, the listener, when we can. So here we are again. And uh, welcome in, everybody, joining the show, I believe, for a third time now from the Philly Soccer page. It's uh, everybody's favorite lawyer slash soccer writer. It's Peter Andrews. Uh, Kevin, thank you for having me. I, I feel like being everyone's favorite lawyer is a pretty low bar. So You can be the official lawyer. It. Yeah, you can be the official <laughs> lawyer of the, um, of the Always Soccer in Philadelphia program. I don't know what that entails. Uh, if I get into legal trouble, I'll let you know. I think what will happen is if the podcast, and this will never happen, but if it ever does get big enough that one of these like songs that I clip 20 seconds of in the beginning, if, if like the music industry comes for me, I'll just have you write a letter back to them. All right. I, I, I make no commitment to that, but uh, I, as always, I appreciate you having me on the program. Yeah, no problem. Um, so listen, we've got a lot to go over. Actually, there's four games and some national stuff going on. Uh, the games that took place since the last show. Actually, you know what? Let me back it up here. I do want to give you guys the details about the uh, the live show that's going to be at Subaru Park. It's going to be June 18th. So the Cincinnati game when the Union pick it up again, the home game against Cincinnati. The uh, second uh, and finally rescheduled Always Soccer Live podcast will be at 5 p.m. Saturday, June 18th at the Sons of Ben tailgate area uh, down at the stadium. So you guys know where they all tailgate between Lot B, VIP, and uh, Lot B. So um, we're going to have a power cord. Matt's going to hook me up with power. We'll set up a table. Um, We'll get a couple people down there. We'll do some giveaways of uh, all of the stuff that I've accumulated from the Sixers and the union over the years. And we'll do it kind of like we did the last one. If you were the first one, you know, it'll be fun. We'll just talk soccer and uh, have a good time. And it'll be good to see everybody in person again, because it's been way too long. But yeah, five o'clock, we'll go from five to six at the Suns Bend tailgate area on June 18th. If there's any other details, I will let you know about that for sure. So we're looking forward to it. We're supposed to do it in March of uh, 2020. It was actually the week after it was the Saturday after Rudy Gobert shut down the NBA. So we've, uh, it's been a long time coming. We finally got it rescheduled. Um, anyway, okay. Red Bull, Miami, Portland, New England. We actually had four games that took place since I did the last show. I don't have anything to say about Miami. We're going to pretend that Miami game uh, did not exist. But, Peter, I actually have a point about the Red Bull game if we want to go back that, that far and try to stretch your memory. Um, yeah, b- believe me, the, I was at the Miami game, and it was a massive waste of everyone's time. So, oh, my uh, goodness. Yeah, I just – well, I yeah, I, well, um, it's burned into your memory more than it's burned into mine. But uh, we'll just uh, scrape it from the history books. You know, we'll remove it. We'll cancel it. That game is canceled, we'll say. Um Red Bull, listen, you know, shitty result, right? When you concede, when you're up a man. But here's here's one point I wanted to make. You know, when you – we know the union play a certain style. When you go up a man, you're like up a goal or like it's nil-nil or something. Like you got two philosophies, right? The one is that you can be cutthroat. You can attack, 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 and try to put your foot on the throat and kill kill the game off, right? You know, or you can kind of like possess the ball, hold on to it, and kind of strangle the other team and hem them in, right? Uh, the union aren't aren't built to play the second way. Like they're not a possession team. They want to give you the ball and turn you over, right? So it's never. I don't have any problem with the way that they approach the game after that red card, like attack, attack, attack. They almost got, you know, another goal um, in that stretch, and so I don't. I, philosophically, I don't have any problem with that. 
um, because I just I just don't think they're built to 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 play the other way. Yeah, I mean, I think it's tough because they are just clinically incapable of, uh, you know, Jim has said a million times, they're not a team that wants to come from behind. They're not a team that wants to have to be on the front foot. And so I was not as disappointed with the, you know, there's kind of the 15 minutes after the red where I thought they were pretty dominant. And then you get the Jose makes a foul and then doesn't track his runner. It's kind of a random goal by the red, by the Red Bulls. And then what was disappointing was, right, they couldn't flip the switch to that, not not the possession, but they kind of like, let's go get that second goal. It just did not ever feel like that second goal was coming. Yeah. I mean, when is the second goal coming for the Union? It just it does not happen. Um, yeah, so, you know, it is what it is. But even then, like, they're on this unbeaten streak, you know? So it's like, it was funny because, you know, the podcast that I did with Shane and before this and they me on Twitter saying, like, yeah, I don't get the Negadelphia, you know? I mean, obviously, we have high expectations for this team and, like, there's stuff they can fix and stuff that they can add, but they're first place in the East or the second place in the East and they're at the top and they're getting points going. And like you and I have been doing this long enough to know that like, we'll take a Philadelphia union unbeaten run as long as we can. You know, I just think it's funny when like me and Matt to George, who were like seen as like the two snarkiest, like, <laughs> like negative union guys out there, like the, like trying to be the pragmatic, like positive, like ones in this case, you know, did you sense that there was like over like, that there was like unjustified negadelphia or do you think that was just people had expectations and they were looking for something more from the team yeah i mean i think there's you got a lot of things going on here one of which is uh there is a negadelphia kind of that runs among and it, it definitely not to insult the people who listen to podcasts like this but i think the people who are more plugged in people who are on twitter tend to eagerly look at the negative side of things which isn't bad but it's it's, it's an approach um i also think it does speak to expectations being a lot higher this year you know the union uh made a deep playoff run last year they won the supporter shield the year before and i think when you start the way they started with the five five wins uh on the trot you know there's reasonable expectations this team could compete for mls cup and so there's focus on the things that aren't quite up to snuff yet which is the attack um, but obviously this team is terrific. Like they are, uh, one of the best teams in MLS. No one wants to play them. Uh, they turn every game into an unwatchable slop fest, which is, you know, totally fine because they get results. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I mean, I don't think it's unjustified to look at, to look at these games and say like, boy, it would be nice if they would score two goals occasionally. Um, but I also do think that your kind of big picture point is right, which is, we're a third of the way through the season. The Union are leading the East and they haven't played their best soccer yet. Yeah, I agree. And like you look at like they don't have how many, how much have we seen of the Orr and Carranza pairing? Really, you know, like not like much less, of than, less than a game's worth of minutes, probably less than a game's worth of minutes. And like you know, I I think everybody knows how I feel about Corey Burke and how I feel about Sergio Santos, where it's very direct, it's very square peg round hole. Um, it's a very, you know, root one linear pick, whatever synonym you want for that. Okay. And sometimes that's effective, you know, Corey will go up and maybe win an aerial duel that, you know, Julian Carranza may not win or Sergio Santos may be able to draw a foul based on just pure speed and straight line running that other people don't, but there's a lack of finesse with those guys, you know, and you see the irony here that or is the big signing Carranza is kind of the lone reclamation project. 
Carranza to me is more important than anything right now. And I'm not really including, I'm just talking about like the front four guys. I'm not talking about Daniel Gajdog, who's probably the MVP. I mean, he's got to be the MVP for, for me this year, just based on the, the goal and assist production alone. But I mean, are you, isn't it such a union thing that they're playing so well and yet there's like such an obvious thing that needs to happen here at the top, which is, or has to stay healthy and Carranza needs to be on the field. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, there have been attacking problems for this team going back. I mean, they've never really had uh, the kind of striker who you can just sort of trust to deliver you, uh, you know, 10, 15 goals a season uh, consistently. You know, for a long time, it was the center mid that they were swapping, you know, the number 10 is swapping out. Seems like they found one in Gajdag. Uh, now you have Ua and Carranza, who are just, I mean, it's been it's been almost comical the way that the two of them have just not synced up. I mean, Ua gets injured, Carranza gets suspended. Yeah. Ua gets injured, Carranza gets suspended for like, I mean, that suspension for like not leaving the field correct fast enough. You know, that was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 You yeah. could, you know, Jim was understandably pissed about that. Um, I, I mean, I do, I, I kind of agree that uh, Carranza has been such a revelation so far. He's so important to, uh, what they do because he's involved. You know, he's not like Burke and Santos who are almost doing their own thing sometimes. He's dropping in. He combines with Gajdak. They have a really good understanding. He's, yeah. uh, you know, he's at unpredictable spots on the field. And who was a bit more of a poacher. You know, he's more of a, like, I'm going to take one touch and slam it into the net, and then I'm going to run around until I can get another touch. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, right place, right time. I mean, and that, that can segue into the goal that he scored in New England, where it's like nobody's going to give him, uh, you know, goal of the year for that. But right place, right time is a skill. You know, we said that about Jack McInerney, ten, Jesus, 10 years ago now at this point, um, where, you know, if he's not in the right position or he's not, you know, he doesn't have a teammate bearing down on him or he's not anticipating something, then Omar Gonzalez, you know, gets away with a mistake. You know, so it's like that there's there's value in that as well. I just think it's funny because you always look at like the union. We talk about them like being a collection of like blue collar grinders. Right. Jose Martinez is a grinder. Kai Wagner is a grinder. You have two like center backs who are like the brute force like dudes who are just very like solid and buttoned up. But, you know, at some point, somebody's got to have finesse and skill because once you turn them over, once you win that challenge and once you win that aerial or once you're just like throttling somebody and strangling them, you, you can't, you know, uh, square peg round hole your way into like two goals in the game. You know, you can score bullshit scrappy goals, but you need some skill and quality at the same time. And to me, you know, when Kai see Carranza take that one touch and just curl one on his left foot, you know, Corey's not doing that and Sergio's not doing that. No, absolutely not. I mean, I think you have, I think Carranza and Gajdag between them, you have a real infusion of skill into the team. I mean, Gajdag has been so impressive. Uh, this season and since he since he settled in last season really i mean down the stretch um he, he i mean he he's where would they be without him you know it's yeah. almost you know he's responsible for so many of their points um I, I i mean i totally agree i think that uh when this team is at their best it's going to be the kind of eight guys behind that front three who are doing the grinding and then those three causing damage by being opportunistic and by being skillful and you know you chip in a few goals from the outside backs here and there and you know that's a recipe that can win mls cup 
Yeah, I agree. It's almost it reminds me a lot about I don't I don't know if you ever watched that like Stoke team that like Danny Higginbottom played on or like that came came out of like his era, but they had you know they had like um Ryan Shawcross and like Glenn Whelan and all these like just blue collar dudes, right? And then up top is like Jonathan Walters running around, you know? It's like who the fuck is Jonathan? What like he's a good play, like, he's a decent player, right? But he's his max, like he's gonna get you what like eight goals a year. You know, like nine goals. You know, Stoke City, like the Tony Pulis, like Stoke City teams had like 11 of the same dudes out there all playing the same position, you know, and like that's what the union remind me of when you have Corey or Sergio out there. And people who have listened to this podcast for a while will remember that like I was always kind of lukewarm on Corey just for the fact that like I didn't I didn't think he was like any different from CJ really at the time. You know, like that 2017, 2018-ish kind of thing. Okay, he's a big body. He can make some things happen, but I don't. I didn't see anything that made me think that Corey was any more than just a guy. And I don't really mean that in any kind of derogatory way, because I think you can be a guy in this league and, you know, have a role and and be successful. But, you know, you're looking for that next level thing. It's just crazy to me that like Carranza is the key. I mean, today, if I asked you at the beginning of the year, like, do you think Julian Carranza and Daniel Gajdog would be as important as they are? You would have looked at me and said, what? I mean, I think I would have, I, God's dog, I did think was important. Carranza, I would have been like, uh, I don't know. Like, I I saw him as someone who was going to fight with Santos for minutes, mostly because I think I've been, and time has not proved me right on this. I was higher on Sergio than a lot of people, but he has just been. I mean, the injuries are one thing, but he is too. He just flips in and out of games too much. You yeah. know, he's not someone who's regularly. You know, he'll have the one game a year against Toronto where he scores six goals, and you're like, "Oh, okay, this is what he could be." <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I mean, Carranza has like, you know, you're this guy who comes in with like two goals in two seasons in Miami, and it turns out that just Miami's terrible, yeah. and he's in a system that fits. But I mean, you know, we're going to turn to the Portland game in a second. Corey Burke, Sergio Santos could not score that opening goal that Koshchak scored. I mean, no, no. Like, that is that is skill that like how many union players over the years could do that? Not a lot. No, not a lot. And I that actually it's a good segue there because I, I this is kind of like a two part thing. I have like a question for you and then an exercise. Um, what is it with Bedoya on the near post and why are teams not like? scouting that properly or defending that properly. I mean, like you and I have seen it like 50, 75 times over the years. And it just seems like they, they always put like a lesser guy on him and they just don't anticipate that it's going near post. I mean, it was comical during the Portland game. I mean, they must've run that short, that short post corner routine, you know, 15 times in the first half and Portland (laughs) just had, they were not, they're not reacting at all. No, Um, No. And then they put, and then they put, did you see, they bracketed him and they put a guy behind him and a guy in front of him. And when the ball was thrown in, Ali just like worked his way around the first guy and flicked it on anyway. Yeah. I mean, some of it is that Bedoya is a really good player who is just savvy in that way of finding the ball. Um, but some of it is, yeah, I don't know what they seem to do in scouting the union. Um, sometimes I think the corner routines in the modern era are sort of baffling and overworked. You know, there's a lot of like, oh, we'll play short or like we'll do this little fake yeah. thing. Um, but whipping it to the short corner, flicking it on, hoping that the second header makes contact with one of your big guys, it's a good strategy. And uh, I don't know what, I, I don't know why teams aren't trying to get Bedoya out of that position, but you'd have to think that 
anyone who looks at the Portland film will say, okay, we can't let that, we can't let them beat us that way. Yeah. And I'll say as a defender, and this is a little bit of a, like a technical kind of like on-field thing, but it's, it's much harder to defend a second ball than a first ball. Right. And you right. just have to look at it in a linear fashion. Like if somebody's throwing the ball 30 yards, I have like, you know, that entire flight of that ball to read it and attack it and adjust it. Right. But if somebody throws the ball 30 yards and then it's flicked on another like eight to 10 yards, my reaction time is cut down and I got to adjust on the fly after I was just defending something. I may have to leave the guy I was marking and tangling with, and I may have to attack the ball on its second flight, or I may have to quick turn and look over my head. Right. So it's, it's, you know, talking shorter distances and harder adjustments to make. Um, I actually want to do an exercise about this because we always like to do an exercise on the program. And I would say this, if you are, imagine you, Peter Andrews are like the opposing manager, right? You're uh, Giovanni Savarisi and you're scouting the union and you say, okay, well here, how are we going to defend them on corner kicks? And you look at Jacob Glessness and Jack Elliott and Alejandro Bedoya and whatever, who's, who are your priorities in, in marking? Like who are you putting your best set piece defenders on and where does Alejandro Bedoya do we think rank in that oh man putting me on the spot here um I think I mean so Elliot has scored plenty of goals off the corners he's such a target because he's huge and he is surprisingly deft in the box like he'll get a couple goals a year where you're like I don't know how he actually got that touch on yeah Um, so I think so to me if I'm Savarese or I'm you know uh I guess the manager of FC Cincinnati knows pretty well uh, what's going on in the union back line. Um, but I would say step one is cut those guys out. Make sure that you have uh, Glesnes and Elliott marked up. Right. Know that they're going to be the ones coming in, crashing. You take out that short corner with – I. they use the short corner so much that I think you have to put a, you know the next sort of set-piece defender on whoever's going to be making that, that short corner run. Yeah. Um, and then offhand, I mean, I think those are kind of your main threats because, you know, uh, I don't think, you know, Gazdag or Peranza or any of them are going to be big jumping up header guys in, in, in the mixer like that. No, I mean, you um, may have you may have to put like a body on like a, like a Corey Burke or something for sure. But yeah. I mean, like you're, you're the way that you read that out there is probably how most coaches are going to do it. Like you're going to look for the big center backs coming up from the back to win headers, right? Cause they're good in the air. You're probably going to match a big body. If they have like a big striker, if they have like a six foot two, six foot three striker. Right. Um, so you're probably using both of your center backs to match either their center backs or their, or their top striker. And then that leaves you with what, like a, like a D mid or like a fullback perhaps to, to, to match Ali Bedoya, you know, cause Ali is not a big guy. So if like, if I was de- defending it, if I was another coach, I would say, all right, I'll match my I'll match a center back to Elliot. I'll match like another center back to Glestis. If I have a taller D mid or something, I can put them on like Corey or Sergio or whatever. Then my fourth best defender or my third best defender has to be on Bedoya. You know, because his near post stuff is just more threatening than anybody else winning anything direct out of the air, you know? Right. And you're not necessarily super concerned about like the ball falling to Jose Martinez twenty yards out and him smashing one because his accuracy on those long-distance long strikes is uh, yeah. pretty dubious. <laughs> yeah, yes, dubious is a, is an accurate word for that. But listen, I thought the Portland game was their best performance of the year. I mean, they just looked so active moving forward and, like, active in the final third. And just, like, understanding, like, anticipation and where, uh, you know, things were going to be, where the ball was going. Um, you know, if I had to give you, like, a key word for Daniel Gajdog and Julian Carranza, I think, like, over the first, like, we'll call this the first, Hey, after the first like portion of the season or whatever, like 
Um, I, I would go with the word recognition. You know, a lot of back post yeah. runs, a lot of like early understanding of where the ball is going to be, or where a teammate's going to be. It's not exactly like an amazingly profound like hot take or anything, but I think that they have. You have guys in Carranza and Gajdog have good brains. You know, I don't think anybody's going to like say that they're the, the most amazing athletes in the world or that they're going to Gajdog's going to slice a, a through ball from 25 yards or anything like that. But they're just they're smart. You know, I think they play like a smart game. Yeah, I mean, to me, the thing to say about the Portland game uh, is just how important Jose Martinez is to the side. Like, yeah, coming off the Miami game where he was suspended, and you could see watching from the press box, and Jim basically admitted after the game that Elliott at D-Mid didn't work. I mean, I get what he was trying to do. I get he wanted to get Stu Finley a game. Yeah. Um, but the, the amount that uh, Martinez, not just defensively, I mean, he's incredible defensively. He covers so much ground. But what he does in when they have the ball, filling the gaps, making those connections across the back, letting them kind of get from one side to another, you know, helping them soak up the pressure so that they can get those longer balls in the direction of Gazdag Carranza. Um, I just, you know, there's some criticism of Jose because, yeah, he does some stuff that's so obviously stupid and he gets these reds and he, uh, he sometimes makes noticeable mistakes, but I don't know who you could plug into that. I mean, I, I agree with Jim that I think he's the best of one of the top two or three number sixes in the league. And you, he's the one player who I think if he suffered an injury, uh, they would be in real trouble. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think D mid is kind of like a double-edged sword because in order to play that position, you got to be like, kind of like to have that hard nose, like bulldog kind of mentality. Which yeah. also is a is a predilection for, or a, or a, uh, you know suggestive that hey you may get into tussles you may argue with the ref you may pick up yellow cards you know like trying to find like a Brian Carroll is rare you know a guy who's like a workhorse who's good at spraying the ball back and forth and, like defensively sound but he's also like a nice guy and he's not gonna like get caught up in like bullshit unless it's that Costa Rican team that he was trying to fight you know twelve years ago. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, he's, he's uber important to what they do, just like his mobility and, you know, work ethic and work rate. And I just, I, I even going into this year, man, I was stunned that they held on to both Kai and Jose because they're both quite honestly, they're both better than the union at this point, you know, they've outgrown this team. So I think it's a bonus to hang on to them as long as possible. I did want to make a Kai point actually, because on the second Portland goal, he hits an amazing cross in, I mean, he's been hit. Kai Wagner has been hitting balls into the box this year. Like in, I've been playing for like my entire life. I've hit maybe two balls that good in my entire life, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, I don't play full. And this I don't is play, why play full this back, is why the union we... never signed you, Ken. Like this is <laughs> this is the only obstacle. Is your, he's your, he's your, hitting your, like he's hitting perfect stuff. I just cannot no, say really enough is. about like his delivery this year. And like, here's where I'll go with this. Like, you can you can you tell me that there are like. 20 other teams in the 20 teams in the Bundesliga that have a left back that's better than Kai Wagner right now? No, I mean, I, I like, I think Kai is going to be sold this summer. I just, it makes too much sense at this point for him to, like, if I'm him, I'm saying I need my move this summer so I can bet into a, a team and, you know, compete for a spot. Yeah. And if I'm the union, I'm saying this is probably going to be the peak of his value. I don't know what holding on to him for a, until the off season is going to be, and you have, you know, Matt Real, you have, uh, you know, you have options at 
at at that position. Yeah. Um, but there's no reason why I think the Bundesliga or even the Premier League, you know, could like he has that level of quality. Uh, he's been so important to the union, and I don't think it would take you know thirty million dollars to pry him away. I think if the union, like if you offer the union what six million for Kai Wagner, I I don't think that he would. I yeah, I mean, I'm not saying like he's going to Dortmund this summer, you know, but like, like you can't tell me that like a like a Munchen Gladbach or like a Hertha like that he wouldn't be able to to hack it there. Like I I absolutely do believe he would be able to do that. And if you think that he straddles the first and second division line, you're telling me that like Kai Wagner couldn't play for you know like a Stuttgart or like a like Cologne or something like that. Like I I seriously think he's good enough to do it. And I mean, I'm intrigued to, to see where he goes and see if the union give him the same Brendan Aronson uh, treatment. We're going to pin, pin a picture <clears throat> to the to the profile tweet, you know, or whatever. But um, last, um, last union point. Um, so the new England game, the handball on Jack Elliott, um, you know, the guy comes in, he's trying to play like a, not like really a sombrero, but he's in a position where he's trying to flip it over him and behind. And um. I mean, you know, man, I just I, I hate those sequences because I just don't think the game should be decided on bullshit in in box, you know, bang, bang kind of plays like that. And I just, you know, looking at it by letter of the law. Yeah, the hand is out and it's kind of dangling and whatever. But I mean, he's so close to him, you know, and it's a it's a ball to hand situation. I really hand a ball thing. So I feel like I'm repeating myself every time we have one of these situations. So I'm, I'm interested in your take on that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like to me, I think. Uh, I mean, I think you're basically right. It's a, it's a handball. It's kind of a, it's tough to give a penalty in that situation, even though one is, you know, strictly the law. I mean, my, my kind of bigger picture frustration is with VAR, honestly, is, you know, in the Portland game, Portland gets their goals sort of out of nothing that wouldn't change the game. And then we stop for like a five minute momentum sucking VAR review to like, look frame by frame at whether or not the ball went off uh, whoever it was, his head in the box. And maybe it did. I, I think it probably did. But, you know, I, I don't know if it was clear and obvious. We stopped the game. Portland gets their goal taken away. And, and that's, I, mean, I thought that was basically the end of the game. Yeah. And I think there's just something about the process where, uh, you know, the, the standard of review is clear and obvious. <clears throat> standard review is something we talk about a lot as lawyers. So it's actually <laughs> one of my, my few specialties here. But there you go. when the standard review is clear and obvious, review should not be taking five minutes because w- once you're into that area, yeah. <clears throat> it's not clear and obvious. And, and I don't know whether we should be saying the same thing about these handball calls that's like, you know, air on the side of not calling a handball when it's ticky tack. I don't know, um, but the, the the officiating is too much of the conversation in MLS, and some of that's on field, some of that's far. Um, yeah, I just don't. I mean, I've said for a while that um, I just feel like indirect giving indirect free kicks in that instance would be a way to solve the issue of important games being decided yeah. by bang bang bullshit you know you can't tell me like okay there's a handball on jack elliott there whoops okay indirect free kick inside the box those plays are exciting man yeah i was just about to say there's nothing like there's nothing quite like the indirect free kick from like 12 yards away when you've got 
Uh, I mean, I, I feel like there was a game once where the union basically lined up 11 guys on the goal line and yeah. uh, said, see if you can hit it through us. <laughs> there was a chief, there was a game against Chivas like a long time ago where like Mike Farfan roofed something from like four yards out. Yes, like, I remember I, that, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. 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 And I get like, you know, maybe there's like a concussion danger there at some point, but there's also a concussion danger if you're standing 10 yards away from a Jacob Glessness rocket outside the box, you know, or if yeah. just in the course of play. So I, you know, I don't know, but I think that would solve all those issues. Um, I don't know what the hell happened to Zoom. Does Zoom not give you the unlimited time now for two people? Because it's telling me that I've got 8.45 remaining. It did this to, sh- to me with Shannon as well. Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I think that, you know, now that the pandemic is sort of winding down uh, oh, man. a little bit, Zoom is uh, trying to be cheap cling, to, cling to relevance. All right. Well, listen, um, I don't like to do long podcasts anyway. So we have two more topics to talk about in eight minutes and 20 seconds. Um, Brandon Aronson to Leeds and Jesse staying up. Um, I don't have much more to say than the obvious. I mean, like it's huge for American soccer, for an American coach to keep a team up and keep his job or else he would have been probably out and it would have been Bob Bradley 2.0. Brendan going there. I think you and I are in agreement that he's um, agreement that he's, a little small and the physicality of the premier league is probably going to be an adjustment. $30 million is a lot of money and a lot to live up to. Um, so I think the, the curve for him is going to be those two things, uh, but he's got the right mindset and mentality. He's a workhorse and he'll run all day. And like for all intents and purposes, it seems like that leads crowd is like a blue collar Eagles type of fan base. And like they'll appreciate it as long as he runs his socks off. Kind of like here, here's what I would say. I, I see like a little bit of Miguel Amarone in this. Or even if mm-hmm. Brendan's not scoring, like right off the bat, like Newcastle fans seem to appreciate that he was just hauling ass up and down the field. Um, and, you know, maybe that gets Brendan through the first like six to eight games and maybe he starts bagging goals and assists. But I like it. I just always get nervous when an American goes to the Prem, you know? Well, and I think when he goes to the Prem with a, a price tag, I'm like very few Americans who've come before. Um, I mean, $30 million for Aronson is it's a lot of money, man. He's going to be, he's going to come in with a lot of expectations, even though he, you know, does not turn 22 until the fall. Um, and I do think, uh, and I'll be the first to admit, I haven't watched that much of him in Austria, but I do think there's, you know, he is, he is not strong enough for the premier league yet. And he's going to get there. I mean, I think he's going to get there because he's still very young. And, um, but you're asking a lot of a guy who, uh, doesn't quite have that physicality yet to play in one of the most physical leagues yeah. uh, in the world. But that said, I mean, he made a huge leap uh, when he, from 2019 to 2020 at the union, he made a big leap when he went to Salzburg. Uh, plenty of reason to think he would have done it again. And I, like we were talking about this before the show, like I definitely thought that the Salzburg move was a bit much and I didn't think he was yeah. going to be a, yeah, a, a, a national team contributor at this stage of his career, and he's both of those things. So. He takes these every new step that he goes to, every new team. He takes this exponential leap, and it's been really, really impressive because I think you and I were both kind of on the same side of the thing. We're like we liked Brandon and thought he did a lot of things well, but didn't think that he was like close to being ready for some of this. And I, even the gap, even the jump that he made from year one to year two at the Union. Um, I don't think he was even a top three important player on the supporters shield team, to be quite honest, but I thought he was getting a little bit of the DeAndre Yedlin treatment where he's like, Oh, the next big young thing, we got to push him. Like you're talking MLS best, best 11, like really. But like when he went and I watched some of his early games at Salzburg, even the, the defending over there is shit. Like his brain, his off ball movement, 
his Q reading, all that stuff. I'm like, you know, he's like, got a got a whole bag of talent. And um, maybe for the first time in ever, I'll pick a premier league team to support. Uh, maybe I'll buy a lead leads fucking Jersey or something. I never do, you know, but like I'm intrigued, you know, I'm like, I'm intrigued to watch Jesse and Brendan over there. Well, he'll be a lot more visible, right? You know, the it's not like any of us are regularly watching the Austrian league. No, no, exactly. Most, and when I saw Corey Burke get his, like, the when Corey got his like hat trick or whatever, there I watched all the goals. And I was like, you got to be kidding! It's like Casa League defending over here. But <laughs> but now we're gonna see. Now, now, I mean, it's the ultimate test for Brendan to see whether he has it or not. Um, Four forty-five remaining. This is the last time I'm gonna do some bullshit forty-minute Zoom thing. Um, the the you watched the game last night, USA Morocco. Yeah. What'd yeah, you I think? Caught, I caught I caught the second half. I caught the highlights. Um, I thought it was good. You know, I, I love Tim Weah. Like, I think he is such a fun player to watch. Um, it's yeah. good to see, you know, Pulisic looking, uh, Pulisic looking alive. And so that's his goal. Uh, Morocco's a good team. You know, not that much you could take from it other than, yeah, uh, you'd, rather, you'd rather they be winning those games and losing them. Yeah, no, and I, look, I mean, like, they just looked they looked good against a good team. Morocco's World Cup bound. They got some players there, some European-based players who were good and, you know, a little bit of a different, like, you know, tactical approach. I thought Brendan looked good in his position for sure. Um, United States Twitter is a fucking hellhole, if I'm being quite honest. It's just like people always looking for something to nitpick, something to complain about. Like, even if they win 4 nothing, it would be like, well, Burhalter, you know, subbed this guy at 63 minutes instead of 65 or something. You know what I mean? Like, it's just – some point, like I get, I get that, like you know, expectations are high, and people felt a certain way after Trinidad and Tobago. But um, at the same point, man, you got to try to at least enjoy the ride. You know, I think there's like so much nega, nega Delphia, nega, nega America, nega America that come comes out with that, where people are just looking for stuff to nitpick. Where um, it gets to the point where it's like, I feel like saying to them, I'm like, do you like, do you even enjoy this? Do you enjoy what you're watching? You know what I mean? Yeah, it gets it. Know what I was saying earlier about you know there's a tendency among the people who follow it really closely who are really active on Twitter to be you know there's something about it that really brings up people being negative. I didn't think there was that much to be negative about, but uh, obviously you know I know you want to talk about a little bit about Pulisic made a comment at the end of the game that yeah uh, got some folks got some folks frustrated. Yeah, look, I mean, so Pulisic's there at the end. He's talking to ESPN and he says, like, honestly, you know, I was disappointed that there weren't more Americans here, right? And, um, yeah, that got a lot of, like, talk, you know, and, like, my, like, face value reaction to that was like, oh, okay, the stadium wasn't full. Uh, you know, he wanted more support from the home crowd or whatever. He wanted wanted the, you know, more, more people there supporting the team, right? I didn't think it was anything more than that, but the way that he said Americans, some people thought it was insensitive to the idea that like, okay, well, some of these Morocco supporters may be Americans or they may be immigrants, they may be living here, so they could be Americans too. I, I don't know. If, if Pulisic is a secret racist, like somebody go into his brain and find out, you know? I thought, and what most people thought was that he was just saying, hey, we want more home support, you know? We're playing in the United States. We want our arena full, you know? And like, I don't, I don't blame for that. I don't think there's anything you know, wrong in saying that, you know, like they're playing well, they're going to the world cup, like, Hey, you know, help us out with the support. Like at the same time, I know that it's Cincy. They've played a lot of games in Ohio and the Midwest recently. Tickets are expensive. It's like a Wednesday. It's an exhibition. Um, you know, and there was actually, I think there was thunderstorms in the forecast earlier. Gas costs like $5 here and $8 in California. Like I, I get, I get there's all that other stuff too, but I don't, I just don't like people like leaping to conclusion, like guys like Grant Wall coming out and saying like, well, you know, there are Americans, the, like a lot of those Morocco supporters were Americans too. Well, like no shit. You know, I, I just like to give these guys a benefit of the doubt and like, 
you know, yeah, could he have picked his words better? I'm sure. But at the end of the day, he's a soccer player. He's not a public speaker. So, you know, maybe you come out later and issue a statement and say, I just wanted to clarify that this is what I meant and whatever. And um, I didn't think there was too much to it. I think people like to look for certain things and make a lot out of things where they uh, where they don't exist. But that's my thoughts on that. We got one minute left, so you can respond to that or say whatever the hell you want. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too much to disagree with there. I did think it was much more – I think he was trying to say, like, boy, I wish there had been more people here, which – says yeah. more about the Federation's ticket prices and then playing another 10 millionth game in Ohio yeah. than it says anything about, you know, that he's <laughs> saying like uh, some distinction between Americans who support Morocco and Americans who don't support the U.S. team. I mean, it's tough. He's just speaking spur of the moment and I, I had a hard time reading too much into it. But Yeah, yeah, me neither. Maybe if I feel like I'm going to write something for Crossing Broad. But um, anyway, Peter, thanks for jumping on, man. I always appreciate it. Peter Andrews from the Philly Soccer page. You can find him there. Find him on Twitter as well. And um, yeah, man, I always appreciate you coming on. All right, sorry for that uh, abrupt transition there. I thought I was done with the show, but I'm not done with the show. I uh, have more to do. And we have some beers to drink, actually, because our uh, our friends at the uh, Tallahassee uh, SOB uh, group uh, have provided us with more beers to drink from uh, from Point Brewing down there in Florida. You remember um, a couple years ago, actually, when Dave was still doing the podcast with me, we had like four or five beers. And we drank them while we were doing the show, so that was a uh, was a fun show for a variety of reasons. But I don't have a co-host anymore. I don't have a co-host anymore to drink the beers with me. It's not like I can hand the beers to Peter Andrews through the through the Zoom and into wherever he is, you know. So I've brought somebody, a special guest, onto the program to help me drink these beers from Florida. Uh, my wife, Sarah, joining the program now. Hello. Hello, wifey. Thanks for having me. <laughs> is this uh, how does this feel for you to be on your husband's podcast? It's exciting. Yeah. 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 Have you ever done Have you ever done a podcast before? I have not. No, no. First time. Well, no pressure. All you really have to do is just help me drink these beers. And uh, I, I've wanted, I've been wanting you to tell this story, this funny union story on the on the pod for a long time now. So we're finally going to do this. We've got a funny story about Andre Blake and the 2014 uh, MLS Super Draft that my wife was very heavily accidentally <laughs> involved in, right? Um, but first, um, what do we have here? So these are from – so there's five beers from uh, from Proof Brewing down in Tallahassee. So the one that I am – well, two I'm most excited to try. The first one is Flamingo Party Blonde Ale, uh, strawberry passion fruit flavor. Hell, hell yeah. And hell it yeah. is 7%. So that's the first it's one. It's 7%? Like yeah. For a, for a blonde? That's what I wrote down. Oh, all right. I'm not sure why I wrote that down. Oh, that's crazy, right? Yeah, that's like you're getting into like IPA territory there. Now, just for uh, some clarity here, my wife is an IPA woman. Um, that's right. That's right. You, as you, you all, drink the fruity beers. I'll drink <laughs> yes. the real. The beer. real beers, right? Yeah. yeah, it doesn't look good for me. You know, uh, I remember when we did the dumb dress with Crossing Broad with uh, Joe Sixpack was like the special guest, he or the guest judge or whatever, and he he absolutely killed my selections because he thought they were. Uh, like too fruity or something. Like I had like summer shandy in there for a selection, but it was summer beers. The thing was summer beers. Nobody's drinking IPA in the summer, but I digress. So let me try the uh, flamingo John here. Oh, it's really good. Yeah, I wish you guys could taste these with us, but here we are. Um, so listen, th- th- this is a story about um, it- it's uh, Sarah. We believe uh, accidentally tipped off. Andre that he was getting drafted number one 
overall in 2014, right? So to, to kind of go back and set the scene, you know, the I feel su- like you just gave it away. Like no. you just gave them the punchline. No, no, no. But it's like they got to kind of understand. Like here's the thing, and now we're going to explain how we get there. Okay. Right? So you're the host. Yeah. I didn't really think this this much, all too much of this through, but um, so like to kind of like set the background, right? So the draft is in Philly, 2014, right? And like you know everybody's in town the night before, and they have like the coaching convention and everything, which is next door, and uh, there's it's like a big you know couple day event or whatever. So like you know everybody like a who's who of MLS is all in the hotel like the night before, right? Um, what is the name of the hotel that's attached this to is, the, con- the I went to the next beer. Oh, what's this and one? And it's really good. Oh, is it? Okay. It's Peach Crumble, a pastry, Berliner Weiss. Mm. Is that oh, yeah, Weiss? that is good. Yeah, Weiss. Weiss. Yeah. It's like German, German or whatever. It was no, that's all right. I'm glad, you're in, I'm glad you're enjoying the beers here. Um, so, you know, everybody you goes talk, to talk, I'll drink. Yeah, I'll talk and you drink. Right, right. So, so, so everybody goes to, like, the hotel the night before, and it's, like, a who's who of MLS. You know, like, Peter Vermees is walking around, and, like, John Hackworth is walking around. All these people are just, like, kind of bullshitting at the bar and, like, you know, talking and whatever, and, like, journalists are there looking for scoops or whatever. So so I told you, I'm like, hey, there's this, the draft is, like, tomorrow or whatever. We're all going to go to the hotel and meet up with a bunch of people, right? You know? So we, we went over there just to have, like, a couple, couple of drinks and talk to people and just, like... I don't know. Like it was, it was like an event, you know. Can I give some shout-outs of people who were there? Yeah, Allison Schwartz, mm-hmm. my partner in crime. So she witnessed the whole thing. She was yeah. part of this conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Kareth Gabriel. Kareth Gabriel. Right? Yeah, and uh, Chris Glidden was we there. We have a picture. Yeah, Chris Glidden. So here's another random fact. Chris Glidden, who used to be the uh, PR guy for the union, lived across the hallway from Sarah at her. <laughs> <in> her <laughs> At her condo in Old City. You were just walking out the door one day, right? And you saw him and you were like... Um, yeah, we met. There was like a reason why we met in the lobby. I don't know what was going on. If it was like a fire... It may have been a fire drill in the building or something. Oh, but there yeah, was a yeah. reason we yeah. were both like congregating in the lobby. <laughs> and uh, got to talking. Um, I may or may not have thought he was attractive, even though I had a boyfriend. <laughs> And then I found out he knew my boyfriend, so that's fun. Hey, small world. And now we have his kitchen table. When he moved and now to we LA, have two, my husband and two kids. Yeah, now we have two kids, and I have his kitchen table. When he moved to LA to take the LA Galaxy PR job, we uh, he gave us our our uh, kitchen table that we have. So Glidden was there, Kreeth Gabriel was there. You know, we just like met up with some of the PR people or whatever, and yeah, so we're just like talking and BSing and whatever. And you know, I'm just talking to the union people that I know, and I'm like, yeah, what you know, like, what do you guys? What do you guys think? Like, who do they like? Like, what are they going to do? You know, I, I can't remember. That. I should look this up, but actually, but I think like Steve Birnbaum was there too. I think Christian Dean was like taken third or something like that. But how did we know? My question. This was a long time ago, and I don't remember. How yeah. did we know what was going to happen or who the union was going to draft? I think one of the people. I think one of my union people told me, like, and I'm not going to get any in trouble here because nobody works for the team anymore and like the statute of limitations or whatever but i think they said that yeah they just really like andre and like they're looking at taking him number one overall right so i was like oh and that's somehow i overheard this well i think i told or... no i think i told you because then like i went back to talk to you at the bar you know because we were all like mingling and talking to different people but i think i went back to you and i said hey they're interested in this guy andre blake he's a goalkeeper from Yukon, right? And he's Jamaican or whatever. Like, I think they're going to take him first. Um, so then at some point, like, this is where you kind of have to fill me in because there were two guys who were there. Yeah, you disappeared. And Allison and I were just kind of chilling. Talking and, to people, right? Yeah, mingling yeah. and 
enjoying ourselves, and we met a Jamaican dude mm-hmm. who happened to be Andre Blake's agent. And uh, oh, but you didn't, but you I, didn't I, know this, right? You didn't know it at the no, time. No, no, no. So it, you're just walking just around. Dude. You're like, just walking around yeah. talking to people, right? Yeah, yeah. Those were the days when we went to like networking events every other night. You yeah, know, so yeah. we were just used to talking to random people and yeah. stumbled upon him. But I, I, it was so long ago, I can't remember the conversation of how this came up, whether he asked us if we heard anything or, but I, I don't yeah. think it came up that, that, um, we were with you. I think he was just saying, like, what do you, what do you guys know? Right, because I wasn't, I wasn't there. I had gone to talk to somebody Because they were very nervous. Else. Like, it was a big night for them. Yeah, they wanted to know if their guy was going to be taken, like, number one or number two or number so three. So I think I had had one or two, probably, knowing me at the time. Yeah. In 20, you're saying this is 2014? <laughs> I probably had at least one or two. As we drink beers here while we're doing this. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So um, I definitely gave it all away. I told him. What was going to happen? So that at that point, he called Andre over and was like, yo, dude, this girl's saying it's happening. Yeah. yeah and it's just random. And this is funny, too, because you, you came over because and you were like, you were like stunned that we were, you were, we were talking to them. And you're like, do you know who these people are? Like, do you know who you're talking to? Right. Because I came over. And I was looking <laughs> like, at you what are you guys, guys talking I'm like, about? I'm like, are they talking to like Andre's agent or something? Like, and, and you know, it was not got... intentional on our part. It was completely like we totally stumbled into this. No, no. I mean, that you were just like mingling around talking to people. And it's like, I look over and I see you talking to Andre's agent. I don't even know if I knew at that point that he was his agent or something. But then after that, we got to talking about it. And I think I remember him asking like, hey, what do you know? I'm like, man, I don't really like know much of anything other than i've heard that, that the union like like him because i didn't know for it wasn't like somebody came to me and said hey they are definitely taking him number one tomorrow i just knew that they were like high on him and they liked him but, it was cool though because it happened and now still to this day when i watch the union, like it, he's probably i i don't know this but he's probably one of the most tenured if not the most tenured player on the team i think he is now yeah because ray gaddish retired and ray look at me and, with my soccer i know knowledge. i know you're like an Check og me out. yeah sarah was as a quick a side sarah was um you came down on the uh on the fido bus a couple times right yes yeah you and allison and a couple yeah. of people yeah so you would be pretty i am a pretty toasty before you even got yeah we the... did the sons of ben tailgate like <laughs> up and around the block that's right i know so what, you were doing you were <laughs> that's right you were doing bear fights with the uh terrible. with jeremy oh, terrible. yeah and yeah when you say that word i just think of spinning yeah i had spinning yeah yeah those are the days yeah so that so that is kind of like the story in a nutshell we were at the hotel I got like a sniff that the union really liked Andre, but I didn't I didn't know for sure if they were going to take him or not. And I told you, you went over, we went our separate ways and we're just kind of like walking around the big lobby there. And uh, you've stumbled into a guy that was Andre's agent or whatever and said, (laughs) and you said to them, like, yeah, I think they really like. And Allison. And Allison. Yeah. Yeah. So you and and your partner in crime tipped off Andre Blake's agent that the union really, really liked him. And from that point, they... And I guess, basically that he was going to get drafted. Basically that he was yeah. going to get number one overall. Yeah. yeah. So... <laughs> That's how it happened. But now when I watch I the know. games, I feel like a personal yeah. connection. I feel like I had a part in it. I had a hand in it. Uh, he's the, like the most important player on the team, or one of them. You know, like goalkeeper of the year. I mean, they absolutely nailed that. For all that shit that the union got wrong back then, it was like 
that's like, the if, one like, they really is got. Is Andre out there? Like, is he going to hear this? And like, well, can he corroborate my story? I wonder. I'm sure he remembers this. He must. Yeah, I mean, I would actually love. You would to think have that would be a very significant it. moment in his life. <laughs> yeah, because we should fill in the gaps and be like, hey, this is what me and my wife remember. Can you kind of like take us, you know, through it? To there the was point? a blonde and a brunette. But I remember I got <laughs> the draft because I, I remember the agent came up and and started talking to me afterwards because he was like really really curious, you know, because he got this info from you and well, he I was like so yeah and he was asking me questions then i got his phone number and he tried calling me the next day i don't even remember what we were talking about um but it was after they had drafted him number one overall and i was like blah 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 you know if you want to keep in touch or something i don't i don't think we did but it was just so random how the funny thing about all of it is that's why people went to those kind of like things like, it's really, like, really, if you think about it, it's, like, it's our version of, like, you and Allison doing, like, a networking thing, you know, because you're trying to, like, meet people, talk to people, and like, get information or whatever. So the, his agent went to this thing, this, like, bullshit night before thing, and, like, found out that his guy was going to be, like, drafted number one overall, you know? Yeah, we were um, in advertising sales at the time. We were both working at CBS3, the CBS affiliate in Philadelphia, so... Um, yeah, we were just used to talking to anybody and everybody because we were trying to get leads and, you know, make money yeah. <laughs> the television yeah. station. Yeah. Um, so that's what we did like all day, every day. And it was hard to turn it off. Like after hours, you know, yeah. this is like long before engagement, marriage and kids. And so that's all we did is we just, you know, <laughs> yeah. sat on bar stools and talked to people. So. Yeah. So that was like a perfect environment for you guys. It was like seamless, you know, but, um, I just, I, I've always found that story very funny. I should hit up Andre and ask him what he remembers about that. Maybe I even have the agent's phone number still saved somewhere. I think I just wrote it in my phone. It's like Andre Blake agent. Cause I couldn't hear like, this is like the setting. It's like, there's a lot of people in there. It's like really loud and you're like straining to hear. So I don't even know if I got the guy's name. But um, I just, like, always found <laughs> – like, every <laughs> once in a while, like, when, we, when we'd be watching a game or something, we'd see Andre there. We'd look at each other and we'd laugh because it would be like, oh, you remember when you, like, accidentally, like, tip, tipped off his agent that they were going to draft him I or do. something. I do. So, I feel connected yeah, to yeah. this story, which so, is cool. So when was the um, – what's the fourth beer that we're drinking? What here, you what have season? right now is the Czech Pills. Czech Pills. Okay. With a Z. The Czechs make good beer, And man. it's mm-hmm. really – like, it's really good. It's really clear and, like, yeah. crisp. They make it. You know what this tastes like? This tastes like the, <laughs> Excuse me. This tastes like the Victory. Um, uh, Prima The pills? Prima Pills. Yeah, the one that my dad was drinking, like, mm-hmm. when we went to the thing or whatever. But if you guys like Czech beer, they make uh, – come up the imprint up here in Hatfield. They make, like, a good dark Czech lager. Um, and they're the ones who do all the schmoogies too at the same time. So um, You love a schmoogie. I know. I know. I don't know if you guys know what that is. The, the, there's this brewery up here near us that uh does this stuff that's basically like a uh just call it like an alcoholic smoothie kind of mm-hmm. yeah so they take like like technically it's like a fruited sour but they um just they dump a bunch of fruit in it. i wouldn't even and... call it a beer necessarily yeah and they have the most ridiculous names like it's like white chocolate chunk graham cracker s'more yeah, and that's like the name of the smoochie. Yeah, but so people you're buy them to get all these flavors, but they yeah. all kind of taste the same. They do all kind of taste the same. Like the running joke between Sarah and I is like they just dump whatever fruit they had left but over. But you in like can't a vat resist and... buying them all because like they have so many ridiculous names that you're like, oh, 
I gotta try that one. Yeah, yeah, and they have like a different one every week. Double I, jelly donut chocolate explosion. Yeah, the boba. What was it called? Like the boba <laughs> fat or something that we were like drinking. I don't know. I just I like all that different stuff, you know. But these are really good. Like which one? Where's the flamingo one again? Is this the um, flamingo one? The, it, it's in this. Oh, okay, this one. Here, if yeah. you go back to, I went back to the flamingo because that was the first one I tried, and I like yeah. it better after having the others and then going back. One of the things is that they did a um, one of these beers here. There's a hazy pale ale that I don't think we even poured, but it's like a it was like a Tallahassee soccer like um, like a charity thing or like partnership or something like that. I'd love to do that. We should have a, the Sons of Ben have their own beer with two SP. We should have our own beer too. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. What what would if we had I A S I P? Yeah, beer. but what would it be like? What would it? What kind of beer would it be? Well, knowing you, it would probably taste like Leinenkugel. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be like a, I yeah. think it'd, it'd be, be a summer it needs, beer. It'd it be needs a summer. to have a more broad appeal, probably. That's true. That's true. We'll work on that. I got to we'll get people up. To, I got to get people up to you know because we're doing the live show in the uh, Sons of Ben tailgate area coming up on the 18th. I would love to do something out here, but you know the reason we always do try to do this stuff down there is because like. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to ask people to drive like up up here or whatever. You know, so that's why we do it down there. But I would love to do something at one of these breweries up here because we got a lot of good ones. Yeah, we have Ten uh, Seven. We have Blueprint. Uh, well crafted is in Lansdale. Imprint and um, what am I missing? Oh, that's all five. That's all five of them. But yeah, we are craft beer people. This is like what we do when we go places. We just like look for breweries. Did and you just say McAllister? McAllister is the other one. Yeah, so six. So when are you coming back down to another game? Like, when are we going to get the girlies down there? I, I mean, I'm down to come when you guys do this live podcast thing. Okay. I'm just hoping that it's not, you know, 100 degrees like it was last time. Yeah. We did – you did a podcast event at uh, – Was it the Larimer? At Larimer. Yeah, yeah. That was the day it opened. It, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I realized that they weren't going to have air conditioning, and I brought the baby, and it was, like, very sweaty. I know. I know. I felt bad because I was doing the thing with Matt and Joe, or that I kept looking over to you guys. I'm like, is my wife okay? Is my wife yeah, like, everyone was just, like, <laughs> dripping and sweat. It was But we had ridiculous. a good we had a good crowd for that, though, didn't we? I mean, like, I know there's, was. there's people that it were coming fun. in. There were people coming in just for the beer, I'm sure, but they hung out and watched the show. And we had, like, probably 50 or 60 people in there, so that was cool. You know, we had some good pictures from that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this thing again because, you know, we um, – you know, we tried to do it, you know, two years ago. Originally, it was supposed to be, like, the week after, uh, you know, right after COVID hit, you know. And we were planning to do it, and then we canceled it only, like, two days before um, you know, the thing. Because, I mean, back then, we didn't know anything about COVID. So it was like, oh, maybe we can do this event and then, you know, get by with it. But I, in the, at the end, it was smart. In the end, it was smart that we didn't – that we ended up not doing it. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're looking forward to seeing all you guys down there, and we'll bring the kiddos and uh, – you know, hopefully they'll cooperate or whatever. But um, my wife, Sarah Kincaid. We have to buy them gear, too. Like, our daughters have no union stuff. Yeah. I have several jerseys, but we got to get them geared up. We you do. the pro shop. Yeah. Sarah's got a couple Kincaid jerseys because uh, the team's, like, nice enough to give them to us when we, uh, you know, when you do, like, a media game or you do a, um, you know, like a, like a, thing that they they set up for the reporters or whatever so i give them i give them to her and you've got two you have, you have like two kincaid yeah jerseys in your closet yeah, yeah. so um, if you see a woman walking around with a kincaid jersey then you know who it is but um i'm the, the soccer wife right yeah you're one of the wags <clears throat> the um we should make a show you know what that means right yeah wives and girlfriends yeah, yeah. you're the wag you're a podcasting wag <laughs> 
It's true, though. I know I'm diverting off topic a little bit because this is a soccer podcast, but it's true. Like, more and more people are, like, asking me, is your husband Kevin Kincaid or are you? Oh. Like, um, it's getting a little absurd. People at work, people at church, like, people are starting to, like pick up on this that's cool i mean like look you know it means people are like listening they like the show i dig it you know because we're just doing i'm just doing this on the side you know I mean, well i like when i like when it's a diehard soccer fan and they're like into your soccer stuff and yeah. they followed you from the beginning and yeah. you know crossing yeah. broads a whole other animal but that's true yeah no but it's cool i'm uh yeah i'm looking forward to it. maybe we'll get you a bear fight down there and uh i don't want to be known as your <laughs> wife i have my own identity <laughs> That's right. You I are, have my you own are. accomplishments in life. <laughs> Cheers. You are your own woman. That's yes. right. Um, well, thanks for coming on your husband's podcast. Wait, hold on. We have one more beer. Oh, to we're talk not. About. We're not done yet. And and did you thank the kind people that sent us the beer? Oh yeah, yeah. So Mike, Mike. No, Mike and Ezra, uh, Tallahassee SOB. Um, thank been, you, Mike and Ezra. Yeah, they're always looking out for us. They know that they knew that Dave and I were big, you know, craft beer drinkers or whatever. So like back in the day, they were like, "Yeah, hey, we got to send you some stuff." And then like a couple months ago, like, "Yeah, we got to send you some more stuff." So sorry it took so long to get around to drinking these, but I'm. Um, Certainly enjoying them. So we got to get we got to get down to Tallahassee. Put Tallahassee on the list. It's on the list of travel play. We have a frontier voucher. You know, <laughs> after our shitty, <laughs> shitty recent flight down there. So uh, I don't know if you want to get it. But I don't know how much time we have for that. That's probably that's probably like a that's probably like a whole other podcast yeah. for another time. You know, but um. Well, this is the stay gold mm-hmm. hazy. Oh, we did pour pale ale. Okay. Get it? Yeah. Stay gold. Stay gold. G O A L. Yeah. Gold. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. I drink all of it. So that's soccer themed. Well, listen, and it's I, got a lot of body. You probably wouldn't like it. Yeah. How many more times can I be insulted for my <laughs> for my beer taste by my wife on my own podcast? This is embarrassing. It's only a handful. Um, I always, you know, before I wrap up the show, I always give the guest the final word. Um. Even if the guest happens to be my wife, my my wife, my wife told me this ahead of time. (laughs) I'm giving it it to you now, my wife, as Borat would say. Um, Oh, you want to do? You know what's funny? Here, I'll give you. I'll say something funny real quick. You people know how we do the word, (laughs) the words that end in the letter A thing. Sarah's in on the joke because because she watches. I I created the joke. Like, like may, maybe, perhaps, because she watches she watches uh, Housewives all the time, and the one the one housewife is British. Real housewife, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Lisa Vanderpump, <laughs> who's no longer on it, she was the original British adding an R to words that end in A creator. So that's where we got it from. So she like, she would always get it, you know. We we it's Lisa like, Vanderpump. Lisa. <laughs> Leezer Vanderpump. Here, I'll give you one. Um, she wore a meat dress to the music awards. Lady Gogger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at shot glasses uh, behind you, yeah. and I see. Um, oh, how can I describe describe this? A school in the south. Mm-hmm. It's a tech school, and it looks like they're. Their mascot is a bee. Yeah. How would you say that? Georgia. 
Tech. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I have to tell you, um, this segment on the on the on the podcast is actually very controversial. Some people love it and like laugh at it, and we have like inside jokes going. Do or, like, people tune out too? Though some people hate it. Yeah, we actually got a review. <laughs> there is a review. There is a review on like Apple Podcast that says. Uh, Great, like something it says, something like great podcast, like good union stuff or whatever. I don't get the words in letter A. <laughs> there's but, nothing uh, to get. To each, no, dumb. there's nothing to get. We're just trying to have fun here. So, um, yeah, but no, I, I, like I said, you get the last word because you're the guest. Uh, so. the last word is thank you for having me. I'm That's excited to my pleasure. Um, speak to your audience for the first time. Yeah, you should, you're so part long, of it. You're part of it. I'd love to be invited back. So, Especially if there's beer tasting involved. For sure. Well, I'm always happy to drink beer with my wife on my own podcast. And uh, thank you for sharing the Andre Blake story. You got it. And I usually say I'll like see you when I see you, but we live together and we're married. So I'll just press stop here and then we'll move on to the next thing. That right? sounds good. Okay. All right.